the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today, we are at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, Tennessee. We have an opportunity to sit down with Brian Sanders. He is the executive producer and CEO of a film and documentary called Why Stand with Israel. Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah, let's dive right into it. You are a uh, quote expert on some of these different topics well, regarding I don't know that. God is. Uh, <laughs> he just chooses to use us in however he sees fit. Amen. So it's just an honor to do what we're, what he calls us to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an area that, you know, I don't know as much, nor Amanda. We, you know, we're learning, but, you know, probably our listeners are still educating themselves on just sort of the significance of Israel. We all understand that it, it plays a huge role in the Bible, but how does that right. play out in the 20, 21st century? You know, the majority of Christians were not aware of the importance of that Jewish heritage and, and how God is kind of using that to fulfill these end times prophecies. So let's just jump into that. Where can we start? Wow. Um, there's so much angles we can start with. Um, well, I think it comes down to me is uh, what God had, had, he had to get a hold of my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, you know, in scripture, we know that he chose the Jewish people and we, they're known as the chosen people, mm-hmm. the first chosen people. And then the apostle Paul kind of elaborates that in Romans 11, how they're the original branches of this olive tree, which is a beautiful illustration of the family of God. He uses this olive tree that represents Israel and the Jewish people being the natural branches. Remember, they were the first chosen. They were known as the chosen people. Mm-hmm. And so us that are non-Jews, we're called Gentiles in the Hebrew uh, interpretation is goyim from the nations. We're not born Jewish, nor were we born in Israel, that we're considered the Gentiles um, from the nations. And so uh, we have been grafted in mm-hmm. to this beautiful olive tree. And at the root of this olive tree, of this family of God picture of Israel, is the Messiah, is Jesus Yeshua. And so uh, that's that's, to me, the full redemption plan of God's plan for all mankind, bringing Jew and Gentile together, in which the Apostle Paul even elaborates more in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, about this concept of the one new man, where Jew and Gentile, where that veil has been torn, become one in Messiah. And we know the Messiah is Jesus, Yeshua. So it's just a, a, a just a, an expounded illustration of the family of God of, and, and capturing God's heart for his plan of salvation and redemption. Um, The other thing is um, about seven, eight years ago when the Lord put this film project on my heart, uh, I always knew that Jewish people were the chosen people. But what I was biblically illiterate about is why he chose the Jewish people Mm -hmm. and why did he send his son to Israel? I mean, he didn't send his son to New York, L.A., London or Paris or, or Nashville for that matter. He sent them to Israel. So as believers, wouldn't we want to know more of why God chose Israel out of all the nations on planet Earth? Why this country comparable in size to the state of New Jersey, which I think God has a sense of humor because that's the (laughs) state where I originally was, you know, where I was born and that he chose me to do this. But anyway, um, but how come we don't know much more about where our faith began you know this is a place that god chose which is our biblical heritage 
It wasn't Rome. It wasn't the United States. It wasn't anywhere in Europe. It was, it was Israel. This is where he sent his son. And so if we know that God made an everlasting covenant with the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, it's the only people group or even nation on planet earth that he made an everlasting covenant with. We only get to partake in that because of Jesus. He's Yeshua. He's the Messiah. You know, going back to Romans 11, how we're grafted into that olive tree that represents Israel and Jesus is at the root. Why don't we know more about why he chose Israel, why he sent his son there. Yes, we hear in sermons that Jesus was born there, he performed miracles, he died, he rose from again, and he's coming back. But do we ever scratch the surface on why he chose Israel? Why that nation out of all the nations on planet Earth? And so we try to we describe that and share biblically of God's heart. It's scripture backed of why he chose Israel. And we also defunct, as you know, anti Semitism has always been around. It's I think raging more than probably ever. Just look at Psalms 2 1. It says, Why do the nations rage? And I think in these times we're living in, we're seeing a, a, kind of like an early stage of, of what will become when the nations turn their back on Israel. I mean, Zechariah 12 is clear that one day all the nations will turn against Israel. And he says, Jerusalem will be a stumbling block. Why is that? And sometimes the nations want to come together and divide his land, which God says clearly in his word, do not divide my land. Land In Joel 3, 2, he's clear, do not divide my land. And, and there's a consequence when we do that. And so we, we know the famous scripture about blessing Israel, Genesis 12, 3, but there's also a repercussion when we don't do that. Mm-hmm. The scripture says that, you know, God says, I will bless those that bless thee. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And through you, all the nations or families on the earth will be blessed. So he's, he's talking about the seed of Abraham, the Jewish people and us Gentiles that are, are grafted in, you know. And there's, there's a promise of blessing, and there's also a curse, you know. If we say we know Scripture, we know God's heart, but we're, our source of truth has been maybe swayed by the left liberal mainstream media, but we know the truth. Could we actually be thinking or speaking a curse, possibly? I'll let God be the judge on that one. But scripture is clear. And so another thing God put on my heart about seven, eight years ago, since I thought at the time I was probably a little biblically illiterate. And I, and I may sound a little harsh, but uh, for the most part in, in, in the church, we don't really know a whole lot about Israel because you know, unfortunately, it's just not being taught. I mean, on one hand, can we honestly say how many sermons we heard on Israel? Not many. Not many. Mm-hmm. But why? That's where the foundations of our faith began. It's where our, the, our biblical heritage was established. Yet we don't even go there. Wouldn't we want to know why the Father chose Israel? Why the end times will culminate there? Why he is sending his son back there? Why Jesus was fully Jewish? He wasn't Christian. Christ is not his nationality. It's, his t- it's a title. And his Hebrew equivalent is Messiah. So, you know, it's, there's, there's been a lot of misconceptions that we just point it back to Scripture. We point it back to the Word of God. It's not what Brian Sanders knows, what Brian Sanders is trying to convey in this film. It's really touching on God's heart. It's the only nation and people group that he gives these nicknames, like the apple of my eye, my treasured possession. I'm sorry, you know, it doesn't say anything like that about us Americans or any here in the Western church or any other nation or people group. He calls the Jewish people and the nation of Israel, Israel the apple of his eye, 
his treasured possession. So I would think we'd want to know more about it. So back in 2014 or so, my wife and I were learning more about our Jewish, Hebraic, Judeo-Christian roots. And I wondered why this just, how come I've never heard this in the 30 years I've been a, a faithful follower of Jesus? How come I never heard this in the church? I mean, could it, could it be political? I, I don't know. It could be. I mean, because, you know, I, I constantly hear, well, you know, God's not a respecter of persons, Brian. He doesn't love the Jewish people or the nation of Israel more than he loves the Christians or the Americans or he loves, he loves everybody. Well, Scripture says he's not a respecter of persons. That's true. But God is a sovereign God. He made an everlasting covenant with them and the nation of Israel. When we go around, we say we're the bride of Christ. And that is a title that we, we, we hold dearly, that we are the bride of Christ. But do we know in Isaiah 54, 5, it talks about, this is God talking to his people, the Jewish people. And he says, your maker will be your husband. This is clearly, the prophet is talking about it. Isaiah 54, 5. He says, your maker will be your husband. So wait a second. That sounds like something that we have in common. They have been betrothed too. They're a bride also. We have a lot more in common than we think with our Jewish brothers and sisters. So really the premise of the film is to inspire the global church to live out its biblical responsibility to stand with Israel. Because if we say we love God and we love his word, then we know how clear in Scripture how much God loves the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. I mean, his heart is, I mean, it's just, it, it is so clear. There really shouldn't be any more debate, you know, if, if we should stand with Israel. Because if he does, then we should too. Absolutely. No, it's so important to know those scriptures and like you said to understand this um i know we were talking a little bit before we started recording this and you know i grew up in the church um i've known jesus since i was a child and i didn't learn much of this and just in the last two years it's become heavier on my heart and um just learning more about that and i think that that is more common among people now as we're watching some things happen around the world people are starting to ask these questions and saying like wow why is this important and can you speak to some of the historical roots as to why there has been such a divide between the Jewish community and the church well I, I would first of all I want to commend you that's just great dear I love seeing you know other believers you know just seeing this the truth of God's heart because uh, about seven eight years ago uh, I fell in I was part, it's, there's a thing called replacement theology. I don't know if, if you're familiar with that. It's this notion that, that, that the global church, this has been going on for centuries, that the global church sees that God somehow replaced the Jewish people and the nation of Israel with the church. Now, the last time I checked in Numbers 23, 19, God, it says that God is not a man that should lie or change his mind. Now, we know God is a covenant honoring father abba daddy he doesn't break his covenants he does doesn't go against his word because it's one and the same he can't do it he physically can't separate himself from the word it's who he is he doesn't break covenants so if he made a covenant centuries and millennia ago he's not going to change his mind now uh that is something that we're trying to inspire the church we're not here to condone or bash the church in any way but it's a pretty common thing and that is something that has been a, uh, I guess you could say a divide or something that has 
put up walls with our Jewish brothers and sisters of how we twisted the word of God and said that, well, we're the new Israel now. We're the, we're the new kids on the block. And if we're basing it on scripture that God says that, you know, because they were stiff-necked, because it says that in Romans 11, but the apostle Paul comes back and he admonishes the believers and he says, do not become arrogant because of who you've been grafted in, the ones that were the original, I can graft them in as well. And so this replacement theology, I feel, has blinded the church in some way. Scripture talks about that Jewish people have been blinded. Well, I think there's a spiritual blindness over the church, and the root of that is it, it comes down to Israel and the Jewish people. You know, how do we get across, you know, in a, in a sense to say that we're the new bride, we're the new uh, Israel, we have replaced you. God doesn't break his covenants. They're a bride too. They have been a bride too. They've been betrothed. And so, uh, and then we have to look at what happened in history. You know, of all the years of anti Semitism and persecution toward the Jewish people, you know, it st starts with, you know, probably goes even further back than Constantine. How Constantine not only changed the original Sabbath, I mean, it wasn't broke, so why fix it? But if you know history on, on why he did that and the pressure he was dealing with that he changed the original sabbath on saturday to sunday when typically you know it begins on friday sundown to saturday sundown because god the first day started at night and he said let there be light and then after that he said it was good that's why they begin their days jewish people begin their days on on, on sunday sun, on sorry on sundown to sundown and so you know, if you look at all the atrocities that Constantine did, and even the, um, uh, gosh, uh, St. John Chrysostom and others, Martin Luther. I mean, Martin Luther did some great things in the church. He's known as the great reformer, but many people don't know toward the tail end of his life, he got so rebuffed that he couldn't convert the Jews to Christianity that he kind of turned on them. Mm -hmm. He even called them like their synagogues are worse than a brothel. And, wow. uh, and the persecution. So mm -hmm. when they think of these things and they hear that there's this known thing t in the Christians that we look at them as Christ killers and throughout our faith's history, I mean, I don't look at it as that because if we really look at the truth of Scripture, Jesus said, I laid down my life for no man. You know, go back to Scripture. You know, he, he did what the Father called him to do. He, he laid his life down for us. And he even backed it up by saying, I lay my life down to, for no man. So we're in history it, it's baffling to me that we have said throughout history that somehow we call them christ killers when jesus obviously laid his life down so with that and the years and centuries of persecution of the jewish pe people through um the uh spanish inquisition the crusades uh, Constantine and Martin Luther and all these, they remember that. But I believe the walls and the veil is being torn, and we're seeing more and more um, Christian philanthropy, blessing Israel, the Jewish people. That's what our ministry is about. It's not just a film series. We believe it'll be a TV show, but also to do outreaches in the land. We're actually uh, about to kick off an outreach in the land right now. Uh, there's a, a thing called the Shemitah. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So the Shemitah is basically the sabbatical uh, observ biblical command. Every seven years, it says in Exodus 23, 10 and 11 and Leviticus 25, 4, that you're, you're supposed to allow the land in Israel to lay fallow. That mm -hmm. means all the Jewish farmers in the land, it's like a, sab a Sabbath. 
you know, a Shabbat Sabbath year, that they're not supposed to toil or work the land. Now, they're going by faith every seventh year to trust the God of Israel to provide for them. And, you know, it's, I mean, he, he commands a blessing on the sixth and eighth year, but that's still truly, it's, it's still not easy to, I mean, fully trust, lay down your occupation and think about your clients and, you know, you can't even provide for them. You're observing the biblical command. Now, they do allow the poor, it even says in scripture, to allow the poor to come and glean and just, you know, help themselves in the land. But God will bless them. He's faithful to his word. And so uh, this new outreach we're doing called the Shemitah Blessing Project um, is based on the story of Ruth and Boaz. So we know that Boaz was Ruth's uh, earthly kinsman redeemer. So uh, as Ruth is from the Gentiles, she's a Gentile from the nations. She uh, is actually, uh, you know, Boaz allowed her and the poor to glean from the land. And so he, he, the Lord told us to be like Ruth and bless the Jewish farmers during this time of observing the seventh year sabbatical year as they're not having any income or revenue come in to be like the Ruth's to bless the Boaz farmers Jewish farmers in the land and that's one way we can bless the Jewish people in the land you know scripture calls us to do in Genesis 12 3 and Romans 15 27 so I hope I didn't go on a tangent <laughs> rabbit trail no, but this is great. um no keep yeah, going no um, problem so um uh, the, the film is also it's um we defunct and refute a lot of the lies and misconceptions out there of what uh, the left or anti-Semitic, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, rhetoric is out there that Israel is an occupier or an apartheid state. Mm -hmm. They're the, probably the top two that uh, anti-Israel or anti-Semitism rhetoric is out there on Israel. And so how we do that is three ways. We combat it and refute it with biblical truths historical and geopolitical truths. So if you don't believe God gave them the land, what happened in history? Okay, before the, there was the thing, uh, there was a time in history called the British Mandate of Palestine. There was the Balfour Declaration, and then there was the UN Partition Plan. The UN Partition Plan was based on uh, the, the, the nations coming together and casting a vote. 33 in favor were approving the Jewish people to have their own national homeland. 13 said no and 10 abstained. So if you don't believe God gave them the land, what happened in history? You, you can't turn back time. History is noted that the, the nations came together and gave the Jewish people their national homeland. So, you know, before it was named even Palestine, which the, the, the British uh, you know, government changed it to it, uh, before the Turkish Ottoman Empire changed it, I mean, it was Israel. And before that, we know it was Canaan. And so we get into, in, this, in the film, how Israel became a nation and how even Palestine got its name. Now, Palestine's not even in, the, in Scripture. Mm -mm. It's not. And I, unfortunately, I have heard even preachers talk about, I'm reminded of Jesus walking in Palestine. You won't find Palestine in the Bible. You might find Philistia, which was a, one of the, the original terms of it. When Rome conquered Israel, they called it uh, Syria-Palestina. And then it was derived to Philistia, and then eventually came to be Palestine from Syria, Palestina, which the British government changed. And then on May 14, 1948, after the UN partition plan, you know, Israel became a nation. Actually fulfilling Isaiah 66, 8 prophecy, can a nation be born again in one day? 
So that prophecy was fulfilled wow. on May 14th, 1948. And next year, we're coming up on the 75th anniversary, which I'm asking the Lord, it'll be so timely to get it done by in this year that we can have a launch and distribute this film. But it's, um, this is God's heart. I mean, this is the apple of his eye, his treasured possession. So if we are grafted in with the Jewish people in the nation of Israel, and we love God, and we love his word, we need to be standing with Israel. And that's his heart. He wants his, his children to be on board 100% for what he stands for. And so that really, uh, there really shouldn't be a debate, after, you know, if we say we love God and his word. Absolutely. We know also Israel is kind of like a, it's kind of like the, the map for the end times too, right? Yeah, and absolutely. So can you speak a little bit to that? Like what are some of the things that we as believers should be kind of watching for or keeping our eyes open for with regard to Israel and Jerusalem for the end times? That's a great question. And you know, uh, Israel is basically, I, I look at it and I know others uh, see the, the same way. I believe Israel is God's uh, biblical prophecy time clock. You know, everything is going on in the world. I mean, we look at what's going on in the world right now. You know, Matthew mm -hmm. 24, we could say we're living in that. Hearing about wars and rumors of wars and famines when we just had COVID-19, you know, some places it's still very viable and active. Um, I even though I feel like we're on the tail end of that. So we, we've had pestilence and we had, we're seeing a war right now, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And we've seen rumors and heard other rumors of war mm -hmm. and there's other things going on. So when you hear these things, you always got to keep your eye, I think, on Israel. I believe it's like the epicenter of, you know, just, you know, God's creation. Every, I mean, this is where it all started, and this is where the Messiah comes back. That's where the end time culminates, right there in the Jezreel Valley, the Battle of Megiddo, the Ar uh, Battle of Armageddon. It, it's not in the U.S., it's not in Europe, it's not in Asia. It's right there in Israel. So we need to be paying attention to that, especially if we're seeing things happening in this hour that we're seeing biblical prophecy come to life. Um, so, um, we have a survey. I don't know if I can share that with you in our film. Uh, again, this is just to encourage the church, but it's, it's, it's baffling that, um, we say how much we love the Lord and his word of why we're not standing with Israel. And we have this great survey that Lifeway Christian Research blessed us with, and the numbers are staggering uh, of why the majority of the church isn't standing with Israel. Uh, 72% of Bible believers say they wish they knew more about what the Bible teaches about Israel's future. I mean, yeah. when you hear Church. that, what does that say to you? I mean, to me, I mean, it, it just shows me that it's just not being taught. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not being taught in our churches or Sunday school classes. And I wonder, I mean, is it even being taught in seminary or Bible co colleges? I mean, again, I'm not here to condone, but this is God's heart. This is he loves Israel. It's very clear in Scripture. 63% of believers don't believe the promise of the land still belongs to the Jewish people. Well, where are you getting your source of truth? If our source of truth is Scripture and we say we're believers and we love God and His Word, somehow our truth has been swayed. So mm -hmm. what is combating that? What, what is taken away from the true source of truth, so to speak, which we believe that, pr that blueprint is the Bible? So that, that's a little questionable there. 45% say their own reading of the Bible has influenced their opinions about Israel. 
that's <laughs> well, I mean, heavy. what does that say to you? I mean, that's half of <laughs> yeah. more than half of the church uh, that doesn't truly stand with God's eternal, everlasting covenants mm. of why He chose the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, we just have a few more. Um, okay, thirty-two percent, or a third of believers, say they have no strong views about the state of Israel. I mean, this is where God sent his son. I mean, this is, he didn't send him, again, to New York, L.A., London, or Paris, or Nashville, or wherever you're from. He didn't come to America. He sent them to Israel. So how do we have no strong views about the state of Israel? Why is that the epicenter of the end times, where it all culminates? You know, why? Um, And he calls him the apple of his eye. These endearment terms, Mm -hmm. apple of my eye, my treasured possession, Psalms 135.4, Zechariah 2.8, the apple of my eye. We don't have any nicknames. (laughs) I mean, think about it. I'm just just kind of putting it in perspective. Uh, 4% have been influenced by their local church on the topic of Israel. Wow. That's mind-boggling. So are we not touching into the history of our faith? The foundation of our faith so i mean is is there any questions in the back of our minds like when we hear israel or where jesus was teaching in 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 jerusalem or judea or samaria i mean if you think about it he says the holy spirit you know this is like an end time call like that great commission and he mentions three towns and then the nation of israel before he says go to all the ends of the earth before he says to go to all the ends of the earth, where does he say? He says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Now, why would he choose three regions that are in the nation of Israel before he says go to the ends of the earth? Well, we know he wants he wants to gather all the people in. It's the gospels for everyone. It's, it says at the end, it says like, so the nations, so this word is preached and the end will come. Well, that means you have to, the gospel's got to go around the world. Mm-hmm. But why does he mention three regions in Israel? I mean, he doesn't mention anything in America. Mm-mm. He didn't say Rome. I mean, he didn't say Geneva, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. He didn't say Hawaii. He didn't say Australia. He mentions three regions in Israel. And then he mentions then go to all the ends of the earth. Um, and then lastly, he says 2% have learned about Israel from national Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. So it's not being taught in their church. The only way it sounds like to me that they're getting this truth about Israel and why God chose that nation and uh, the Jewish people as well is from someone else coming in, whether it's a national leader or evangelist. Why don't we touch on this subject? I mean, we always talk about the great theologians and what they have done to expand the gospel and how the church has grown through centuries and, and how it's prospered. But how can we don't ever touch where the nation that God says, this is my land. This is where I'm sending my son. This is the Messiah to their people and where he's coming back to. And this is where I'm going to have it take place. And, and when I culminate in, a, in, in the final end, it's, it's taking place here, by the way, as well. Just something I would, I mean, I, when I found out these truths, I mean, it's always been there in Scripture. Mm-hmm. It was like that John 17 revelation knowledge has exploded within me. And for being saved and having a faithful relationship with the Lord for over 30 years, to me, it felt like this was like a missing link. It was almost like a disconnect, like something was missing in my faith that I, I fully visually saw the, I grasped God's full redemption plan. 
along it's like the church the church and this no it's it's it's, it's his jewish people paul the apostle paul says in romans 1 16 says for i am not ashamed of the gospel for there's a power of god unto salvation to everyone but a lot of times we just stop right there that's not how it ends he says to the jew first whoa where does he where's he getting at he says to the jew first and then the greek and some version says in the gentiles that would be us those that are not born jewish or weren't born in israel he was, he was trying to say something here. He wrote a majority of the New Testament, trying to exhort and admonish the church. Like, go to the Jew first. When we go to the Jew first, you know, Romans 11 talks about the fullness of the Gentiles coming in, you know, and it says, and, and it goes on and it says, and all Israel will be saved. That might be a key to an evangelical tool or strategy you want to bring more into the kingdom you want to see uh the gospel being spread or uh you know more coming into the house of god imagine going to the apple of his eye first think about what that might do and you know that they they will see who the messiah is the one they uh, pierced you know the the one that came for them or the one that is coming back i mean uh, to me that just that gets me excited you know i i think you know if you want to see revival I mean, we might see the greatest awaiting ever known if we go to the Jew first. You know, these are the, the ones that wrote our Bible. They gave us the scriptures. It was written by Jews, you know? I mean, what is, I mean, what, I mean that, just, that just gets me excited right there. That's so awesome. And there's something that you said, um, you know, about how God does not change covenant. And, you know, if God doesn't change, he promised that to Israel. But that's also true of our salvation, you know, and like you said, just reading the word and believing all of it. And it's just so important to um, be more aware of this and educated and really understand God's heart for Israel. So, Gear Movie, why stand with Israel? You know, you're answering that question. Maybe this is another movie, um, but how do we stand with Israel? And I know probably one of the main things is we need to educate ourselves about Israel and its, you know, its preemptive place in the scripture. But how else can we as Christians begin to, to stand with Israel? Well, uh, it's a great question. Um, and yes, you, you nailed it right from the get-go. Uh, educating ourselves more about what scripture says, why God chose the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Um, and then we have to look at, um, you know, maybe what we've done in history, you know, and again, this is not a film to condone or bash the church in any way, but, you know, in history, we, uh, the church is, has a long history of anti-Semitism and persecution toward the Jewish people. And we also have to eradicate that replacement theology that we talked about. It's an erroneous teaching that is contrary to God's word. It's, it's not scriptural. And God doesn't want us to, you know, add or subtract from his word and doesn't want us to twist it. The enemy does a great job doing that by uh, alone. We, we, if we're called by God and we are his children, we need to speak and know his word 100 percent, you know. Um, so uh, another thing we can do is uh, we know the famous scripture when it comes to blessing Israel is Genesis 12, 3. But the blessings and curses that are associated with that. But the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans 15, 27, as much as the Jews blessed us spiritually. Well, how did they bless us spiritually? They gave us the word of God. You know, they wrote the Bible. 
we it says it continues on and it says we owe it to them to bless them materially well how can we do that well we can do it with our tithes our offerings but we can also stand with what scripture says you know if god chose them you know he says they are a your maker will be your husband, that they're a bride, they're part of God's redemption plan, the family of God. We need to respect that and honor that and stand with that. And, you know, what family member doesn't stand with each other? Now, we're all flesh and human at the end of the day. We're going to have quarrels, but God says that we need to stand with them. We, we need to support them. And, you know, we can bless them by um, maybe coming alongside of them in their, in their organizations and what they're doing. Have conversations. Have dialogue with them. Get to know them. And, and what way can we get to know someone for the first time is just establishing a relationship. Get to know why, what they believe, what they love. You know, we know how much they love the Word of God, the Torah. Well, we, we love the Torah whether we know it or not because— the Torah is not just a Jewish thing, <laughs> a Jewish study. It's the first five books in the Bible. It's the writings of Moses from Genesis to Deuteronomy. So if you've read any of those books, you've read the Torah, you know, and, you know, they, they, they honor all the covenants, all the biblical feasts, according to Leviticus 23. They're not just the Jewish feast. They're called the Lord's appointed feast. And, you know, if Jesus, Yeshua, celebrated all the biblical feasts and he honored the mosaic covenant and yes he was fully jewish we get to partake and celebrate it as well so we get an understanding of who they are what they believe and why they do what they do and you know they're very observant they show so much reverence to the lord and it's actually inspiring even to us but we can come alongside and, and even even if it comes down to reconciling what we've done as a whole, as a church in our history, and say, hey, you know, that was then, I, we want to apologize, but we want to stand with you. We're here to, to support you. And, you know, there's many ways that I just shared. And, and in, in the film, at toward the end, we're going to show several organizations that we have vetted and that we approve of, of, of who you can bless in Israel, what ministries or organizations that are truly making a great impact in, in the nation of Israel, in the land itself. I mean, whether they're, they're Christians or Messianic Jews or even Jewish organizations that, that are doing incredible things uh, for the kingdom. It's, um, you know, we, we, we list them and how you can sponsor and how you can bless them. That's one way. But uh, we, we, we have to be, uh, we have to be mindful of what we think and what we say, uh, you know, with that replacement theology and be careful for blessing or cursing them. If we know what scripture says, we shouldn't sway from that truth. We shouldn't allow another source of truth, or what we think is truth, from what maybe the anti-Israel or anti-Semitic left mainstream media might be teaching. Because if we have been swayed, then we have compromised what we truly believe in the Word of God. And that's not what God calls us to do. So um, I hope I answered your question there. <laughs> yeah. So good. Um, but I want to recommend, we were talking uh, off record how I, I want to recommend to every believer out there to go to the nation of Israel. Go to Israel. Visit it yourself. You know, I, I truly believe you go there once, and it's going to change your life forever. And uh, don't take me for my word. Just go. I mean, this is, if you want to put something on your bucket list, you know, why not go to this land that God made an everlasting covenant with, where he sent his son? Wouldn't you want to go there? 
I mean, I believe his presence is still there. I've, I've felt it and sensed it there. But you will read the Bible differently like you've never done before because you'll go to the places where Jesus walked, you know, where he walked on water, the Sea of Galilee, where he first chose the disciples, you know, where he, you know, at the Pool of Siloam where, where he uh, healed the person with the issue of blood, you know, that just said, I, I just want to, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's in Jerusalem the pool of Siloam, and just other things, and like the Mount of Olives, like where I was sharing with you, that this is uh, where Jesus wept over and said, you know, how, how I long to take you under my wings. I know I'm paraphrasing, like a hen, you know, a mother looks over her chicks, and it's also the place where, where Yeshua, Jesus, is coming back. It says every eye will see him coming from the clouds in the sky, but where does he actually land? It's not America. It's not Washington, D.C., New York, L.A., London, or Paris. It's in Jerusalem. It's on the Mount of Olives, you know. And this is, as I, I think I may have shared earlier, Jerusalem is not only the eternal capital of Israel, but it will be eventually the eternal capital of the world based on what Isaiah 2, 2, 3 says. It says, the law shall go forth out of Zion and the word from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the only city on planet Earth that has three nicknames, or three, well, there's, mentioned, there's several, but three that come off the top of my head that's in Scripture. It's known as the city of God, the city of the great king. Well, who's the great king? Jesus, Yeshua, and the city that bears his name. I, mean, I, don't, I don't see New York, L.A., London, or Paris, or any other major popular city that we can think of. It says that about Israel. So there's a reason why God chose Israel and why he's bear, his, the city bears his name there in the capital city of Jerusalem and why he chose that to be the epicenter of the end times, where the end times culminates and where he's sending his son back. Why don't we want to know more about it? And I just want to you know, encourage and exhort my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to just dig deep into Scripture and even go there. Go there once. It will change your life forever. Wow. So for those who can't go, they can learn so much more with this tool that you created, which is Why Stand with Israel. Soon to be released, but where can people go to find more information about the film, about other projects that you're working on? How can people connect with you? Thank you. Uh, yeah, they can actually go to our website, whystandwithisrael.com. They can go to our Why Stand with Israel Facebook page. We give updates and uh, and even that's where we're going to make our big announcement release when the film is done. We're believing that we're going to finally get this film across the finish line by the end of the year with hoping for a spring of 2023 release. Uh, all in God's perfect timing. But, you know, um, I'm excited about it because I remember about seven, eight years ago uh, when I, I guess I would call myself biblically illiterate when it came to Israel. You know, and I was even speaking or thinking replacement theology that we talked about that I, I had no idea. And I, I, I had to repent. And then when I truly saw God's heart, why he chose the Jewish people, why he chose the nation of Israel. I mean, to me, it was like this missing link to my faith. I've been saved and had a faithful relationship with, with Jesus for 30-something years. But this was something missing. This just opened up my eyes of understanding and the revelation knowledge of why he chose. It's just, you're going to see the Father's heart when you grasp that concept. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And I just want to encourage believers to dig deep into that. Just pour, go into the scriptures. You'll, you'll see it for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit 
to just to show you. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's uh, to me, it was like another <laughs> spiritual rebirth. Like, wow, like I've been missing this, this for this long. I mean, you know, it's. I just want to encourage the body of Christ to dig into His Word, dig into why He chose the Jewish people in the nation of Israel, and, I, and if anything, ask the Father too. I mean, He'll He'll share, He'll tell you. I mean, we are His children, we are His sheep. We should hear His voice, right? He'll He'll show you why. Amen. Well, Brian, thank you so much for producing this film for so many of us that don't have the knowledge that you've accumulated over the years and the research that you've done. Thank you so much for putting this together for us, and thank you for joining us on the show today. Well, thank you so much. It's been an thank honor, you. and it's, it's just a, a pleasure of mine. Thank you very much, and, and for what you're doing for the kingdom to inspire other believers. Uh, thank you so much. God bless you all. Amen. Amen.